Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three step drop, close all the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Throws up in the head. That's it. At the 30. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 29. He's Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And there are the cannons coming. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Sixteen to thirteen, your final score from Raymond James Stadium as the Atlanta Falcons will take the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a last-minute field goal on the leg of Youngway Koo. The Bucks will take their third loss of the season, and the Falcons now have sole possession of the NFC South for at least the next couple of weeks or so. Man, oh man, man, oh man, that that game filled me with all kind of emotions, and and I'm not really sure if I can break all of them down over the next hour or so, but luckily I do have some help. Welcome back to the Cannon Fire Podcast. I am your host, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host from BoxNation.com, Evan Wanish. And today, we are going to try and make sense of one of the sloppiest football games I have watched in quite some time. Incredibly frustrating performance by Tampa Bay out there today, to say the very least. Yeah, I mean, you know, a game that... uh really the entire time was right there for him um was never really out of reach obviously the falcons had a chance to put it out of reach and i think the falcons didn't play great either because you know without without poorly the bucks played um you know as far as penalties and i mean even on defense like they weren't as sharp as they normally are uh the falcons had three fumbles uh inside the red zone uh basically on the one yard line almost so the falcons could have really ran away with this one so actually the 16 to 13 score is actually kind of deceiving because to me i think the falcons should have won by more but the the Falcons struggled in their own right. So uh, obviously a game, though, that with all that being said, with all the mistakes by the defense, mistakes by the offense, miscues by the offense, the penalties, with all that being said, the Bucks still had a shot. Uh, they, they still had a chance to win. Uh, basically had two chances to either tie or take the lead. Uh, we're one for two on those chances, ended up tying the game. Um, and just, yeah, simply not good enough. Um, simply, you know, not, not good enough. And, um, now you're, you're in a tough spot. You're no longer first place in the NFC South. You're three and three, 500 for the first time all season. And, uh, now you got a short week coming up. So, uh, things don't get any easier, but, um, yeah, just, you got to hope to sort of move on from this one. You know, you can't let this linger because if you do, then next thing you know, you'll be out of it completely. So can't, can't, uh, it's a bad taste in your mouth. It's going to leave a bad taste, but. You got to sort of wipe it off and, and get the back to work. Discipline, one of the several things that went wrong for the Bucks today. Nine penalties for 66 yards and nine penalties also against Atlanta. So it wasn't just a poor discipline day for Tampa Bay. Uh, the refs were pretty active in this one, throwing a lot of flags for both teams here. But regardless, it, it set the Bucks back countless times today. I mean, more times than you can count. Thinking of big plays taken away 
because of a holding or, you know, you get the ball back on offense and you're pinned deep inside your own territory just to be backed up even further to the goal line because of a false start on one of your offensive linemen. The number of false start penalties today, I got to tell you, I didn't think week seven was going to be the week that we saw just an offensive meltdown as far as false start penalties go, everybody not being on the same page, the lack of communication, whatever it may have been, the lack of preparation. Uh, it was more sloppy football. And going back to what has lost the Buccaneers games for over 40 years now, shooting yourself in the foot. The, the Bucs did that more times than I can count today. They're, so far, their worst performance of the season as far as just pre-snap penalties go. Yeah, no, for for sure. And yeah, you're not really giving yourself a shot. And the offense struggled in its own right, but it's going to struggle even more when you're backing yourself up. So there was, I think there was a period where I think they had three straight penalties um, that were called on, on the team. So it turned a second and five into a second and 19, and the Bucks ended up having to punt. So yeah, just, you know, and yeah, like you said, the Falcons had some penalties too. Really sloppy game on both sides. I think the officiating was eh. Um, but like, you know, you complain about the officials all you want, like nine penalties is nine penalties, still too much. Uh, they've done a pretty decent job this season of, of limiting those penalties and, and not having it really hurt them as much. But, uh, there was uh, on more than one occasion today was sort of the, you know, not really the backbreaking, like game deciding penalty, right? Right. Like there wasn't like anything like that, but, um, you know, you put nine penalties up, they're going to stack up and it all adds up. So, uh, yeah, just, just simply, you know, not good enough. And now you're looking at an offense that has scored one touchdown in their last eight quarters. Um, and now I think you can um, start to question, you know, Baker Mayfield, start to question this offense now. And uh, they had a nice start, but I mean, coming off of the bye week, only scoring one touchdown in your last eight quarters just is not going to get the job done against anybody in this league. I don't really care who you're playing. So, um, you know, they just, like I said, they, the penalties they're, they're it's uncharacteristic for them for this year. I know people are going to say, well, the Bucks have always struggled with penalties. Yeah. But like for this year, they've been pretty decent at it. They've been pretty decent at limiting them, not having it hurt them so much. But today, just for some reason, uh, today it was just too sloppy. And, and like you said, the amount of, you know, even pre-snap penalties, like not even like in play during the snap penalties. I think Matt Filer got called for two false starts. Uh, there's an illegal shift on Trey Palmer. I think there was a, there was a illegal shift on Rakeem Jarrett. So, um, I mean, there's four right there, pre-snap penalties and, uh, just simply cannot happen. So, uh, just yeah sloppy just really really sloppy and undisciplined yeah it was the most week one performance we've seen this team look all year right i mean again this is unacceptable at any point in the season but in week one you can at least justify it a little bit by saying hey these guys are shaking off of the rust you're, you're getting back into the swing of things we've seen this happen before where teams do seem to struggle with uh discipline penalties at the beginning of the year but today was just simply unacceptable especially week seven in the season 328 total yards of offense uh, offense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sorry, I can't even say that without wanting to throw up. <laughs> 328 total yards of offense for Tampa Bay. 255 of those came through the air. Before we talk about the lack of offense, which is going to be a hot topic for the rest of the week, let's talk about Baker Mayfield, the quarterback, and his performance today. 27 for 42, 274 yards, one touchdown, one interception. This is the most we have seen Baker Mayfield sit in the pocket and throw for the Bucs. Obviously, the run game for another week in a row was not going to be an option for them. And as close as this game was, it felt like the only juice you were going to get on the offense was when they started to target 13 and 14, throw the ball downfield, and that's if the big play wasn't called back from a penalty as well. So talking about Baker Mayfield's day, 
Less than five minutes left to go. Bucks are driving down three. Have a chance in the red zone to end up with six points and potentially take a late lead. Baker throws a pick. Against better football teams, the Bucks do not get the football back. Okay? The Falcons go out. They lay an egg on offense. And the Bucks they get another shot at it. They make their way down the field. And this, this second chance, redemption on the table for the Bucks. We don't get much of anything. We can call it bad play from Baker. We can call it a, a bad game plan from Dave Canales. We can call it bad blocking from the offensive line. Uh, Atlanta's defense making the play in the right moment. Regardless, they didn't get the job done. But Baker, I mean, I hate to say it, doesn't get a shot at the end of the game against better teams. So let's just assume that that interception is the last throw that he had in this game because it may as well have been. Other than that, what did you think of his game today? Uh, A typical Baker Mayfield game. Like, this is the type of guy that we saw in Cleveland and we saw with Carolina and you saw a little bit with the Rams, like he'll make some plays, but at the same time, like there's going to be those plays where you're like, what is going on? Like that interception, like, okay, you misfired, but Kate Otten's not even open. Like, like Otten is not even open. He is covered and you still decide to throw the ball. Um, You know, the Bucks had a chance to tie or take the lead there and uh, you get nothing. So uh, just can't happen. You can't make that throw. Uh, you simply cannot make that throw. Uh, he missed Godwin earlier on a play. Um, he missed Godwin again on a deep ball. I, I didn't think the inaccuracy was too, too really crazy. Like, I didn't think he was, like, crazy inaccurate. Just, you know, he's still indecisive with his decision-making. Sometimes he holds on to the ball too much. I think there's basically, like, two coverage sacks where he just, like, get rid of the ball, man, you know. Uh, made some plays with his legs, extended some plays, but just, you know, simply not good enough. And, now, like I said, it's back-to-back weeks where, like, Baker Mayfield hasn't been that good, and you're right. Like, against a better football team, like, they're not getting that ball back. Like, against the better – like, if Cordero Patterson gets one more yard, they're not getting that football back. So, yeah, like, Baker Mayfield could very well have costed them the game there, and there'd be 10 times more heat on Mayfield than there is right now. Um, but I do think that, like – that's the type of play, right? That throw that he made that was picked off, that's the type of play that ends up getting Kyle Trask in the game. Like, like, like that's the type of plays that the Bucks don't want to see, right? And when you lose football games because of Baker Mayfield, that's where you're thinking of, okay, maybe they have to make a switch. That's, that can't happen. If, if you're Baker Mayfield, it just can't happen. So um, a huge opportunity, a huge opportunity for Mayfield on Thursday night is this offense goes out there, lays another clunker, and Mayfield plays like he did today or last week. Uh, I, I don't know for sure. Like I, I don't know if they're going to bench him, but like that'd be three straight losses uh, under 500 and your quarterback seemingly getting worse and worse by the week. So um just again made some plays had a nice ball to mike evans for the touchdown made some more plays to mike evans obviously had the nice 31 yard run on third and nine to keep that you know alive or else they don't tie it at all um made some plays at the end of the day though he makes a play that costs you the game or a 
decent chance at the game. And that's been the book on Baker Mayfield so far in his career. So we'll see if he can bounce back from this. And the worry is that he's been inconsistent. But the one thing that has been consistent is when he starts to play bad, it's not just one week or two weeks. It's two, three, four, five. It's consecutive weeks. So um, they got to figure it out or or else we could be seeing uh, Kyle Trask uh, sooner rather than later. One of the many turning points in this roller coaster of a game on the very first drive for the Buccaneers, their first offensive possession, we saw them get aggressive. Uh, they went for it on fourth and sixth, just over the 50-yard line. And, and I got to say, I can appreciate the aggressiveness that we saw right out of the gate because it felt like, especially after that big third and 11 conversion from Rashad White, it felt like there was a little bit of energy in this offense. And it felt like they kind of had the ball rolling and I'm going to be honest with you, fourth and six, it's not going to seem like a good business decision to anybody if you do not convert, which the Bucks did not. But do you blame them? And Evan, when you saw that, you know, do you do you get upset with them for not punting there? Or, or do you kind of agree with, you know, they're feeling the momentum right there in that moment. They felt like they could take control early. This was the most juice we had seen from the offense in, what, four or five quarters at that point. So yeah. maybe they felt like they had something, but that's a big decision that ultimately gave the Falcons the ball and, and they end up scoring. Yeah, I, I, I personally, in that spot, I probably don't agree with it. Now, I do hate punting um, when you're in opponent territory. Like, that's just something that's always bothered me with every every game I watch. You know, I'm like, oh, man, it freaking sucks when that offense gets down there and then you got to punt. But um, I personally didn't agree with the the, the fourth and sixth call. Uh, I don't hate it. Like, I don't think it's egregious, but I probably wouldn't have done it. I would have just punted. Your defense hadn't been on the field yet. So I, I think, you know, you think a defense is the strength of your team and you're playing an offense that isn't like a world beater, you know. So I think I would have had a little bit more faith in my defense to make the Atlanta offense go the the full way um, instead of getting the ball basically at the 50-yard line. But also, like, another thing about Baker, man, like, just I don't care if it's even, like, picked off. Like, it's fourth down. You can't throw the ball away. Like it's, I, I, I hate that when, when you throw the ball away on, on fourth down, throw it up, see what happens. Maybe you get a penalty. Maybe, you know, the Falcons had a lot of holding penalties. Uh, there was a lot of holding penalties there. Maybe you get that penalty, maybe you get that call and it extends the drive. Uh, Mayfield, you know, unfortunately, you know, just threw it away. But um, I, I appreciate you trying to set the tone, right? I appreciate you trying to get the energy up, trying to, you know, score on the first drive and put the pedal to the metal, you know, but at the same time, felt like that was a spot where it's a little unnecessary, especially when in the past we've seen them be more conservative than not um, at, at times. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a, of a questionable thing for me. We got a couple of callers on hold. Before we get to that, I do want to highlight the run game while we talk about this Buccaneers offense and what went wrong. As I mentioned before, just another week in a row with absolutely nothing from this run game. Uh, Rashad White did get a little more involved today, but not by much. 13 carries for 34 yards. And we did have six catches for 65 yards. So 99 yards from scrimmage for Rashad White could not hit triple digits, unfortunately. But we did get uh, get to see him get involved in the pass game this week, which was a nice change of pace. It was something that I think we've been asking for for a couple of weeks now. But again, back to the run game. Averaging 2.6 yards per carry on 13 carries. Baker Mayfield had the huge run at the end of the game. Three carries for 32 yards. Keyshawn Vaughn comes in the game as the second running back. Only carries the ball four times for seven 
yards, averaging 1.8 yards a carry. Another week in a row that Keyshawn Vaughn cannot, uh, cannot average more than two yards per carry. As well, and, and anytime you get a running back that drops a wide open pass in the flat, you gotta you gotta get him in the game. So yeah, I, I mean, I have alluded to it before, and I know that Sneak Vaughn is your boy. That's your favorite player. You've been riding with him since day one, clearly. Uh, but Keyshawn Vaughn. Another week in a row where I'm where I'm just I'm scratching my head asking where Sean Tucker is and why he isn't at least getting an attempt to take some of these snaps away from 21 because this is not it. I mean, you go up against a run defense that was already suspect in Atlanta. Maybe they have been getting better, but this felt like it should have been a week where you got at least a little bit more out of this run game. And, and clearly it wasn't even enough to try and get 20 carries on the day. The Bucks gave up on that run game in the second quarter for, for more lack of offense. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And um, like, I just, I'm tired of talking about the run game. Like I'm just, I'm sick of it. Just, they're not good. They're not going to be good. Like you can't expect this run game to do anything like to do anything of substance. Like you just can't. So if they have a good game, great. I'll play it out. But like, like on the previews or whatever, like I'm, I'm done talking about. Well, if they can get the run game going, they're not gonna, they're not going to. Like it's not gonna happen. So they have to be as efficient as possible in the passing game, efficient on third downs, and hope for the best because this run game is just not gonna get it done. It's, it is a multitude of, of a bunch of things. It's the running backs. It's the offensive line. It's the play calling. It's all that. It's not one person. I see a lot of people think that, you know, we're like just blaming Baker Mayfield for the loss. We're not. We, we have get into it through the defenses as fault for the loss too. Um, you know, this game could be going in overtime right now. We could still be playing, but no, the defense gave it up. But um, yeah, these running backs just, yeah, they're not it. And like, I, yeah, why you're playing Keyshawn Vaughn? We know what Keyshawn Vaughn is. Like, while I don't know how good Sean Tucker is, based on what we've seen, like, I don't think he's that great. Like, I, I think that the preseason hype, obviously, has really gone away, but I think it was just that. It was kind of hype. Um, but at the same time, you don't know exactly what Sean Tucker is. Like, I know what Keyshawn Vaughn is. It's his fourth year in the league. I've seen that dude. Like, I have seen enough of him to know what type of running back he is. You still don't know what Sean Tucker is, and you're just – and even, like – you're taking away opportunities from Rashad White. So, like, to me, and I'm this isn't a reporting thing or anything. This is just kind of um, reading the tea leaves. Like, do they not trust Rashad White as much, right? Because they're not rotating in these backs. It's uh, These carries could be going to Rashad White. That pass that Keyshawn Vaughn dropped, Rashad White probably catches. Rashad White is pretty good in the passing game today. So I just I don't really understand it. Uh, Matt Diaz with the $5 Super Chat, though, says uh, now would be the time to open the playbook, Canales. Also, was the game and Baker missed open Mike Evans. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we can talk about the play calling. Uh, play calling, it's like he's trying to fit a square peg into a round hole with the running game. He's just He's going to keep forcing it, I guess. And we'll see how much it doesn't work. It's not going to. I saw John Ledyard put out a tweet today that summed it up perfectly. It really seems like Dave Canales wants to try and lean into the biggest weakness of this Buccaneers offense in the hopes that eventually it turns into a strength. And I just do not think the Bucs have the personnel or at this point the offensive line to go out there and try and make it happen. I can say that it does seem like there was more of an effort to produce more of that eye candy for the linebackers when you're running the ball. There was a little bit more pre-snap motion. We did see a little more creativity, it felt like. Keyshawn Vaughn got a couple of carries to the outside, which we've been asking where the outside zone concept stuff is for a while, and we finally saw some of that today, even though it wasn't enough. 
There was a lot of that pre-snap motion. Baker making checks at the line, something that we did not see last week and took away an element of predictability in this run game. But uh, again, ultimately, it is not enough. Before we take our first call, I do have one more quick question. The Bucks obviously going to have a short week playing a Buffalo team that has been struggling these last couple of weeks, clearly. So they're going to be yeah. very much looking for a win on Thursday night. But all of this conversation we just had about the run game and especially the running backs in that running back room, I'm going to ask you again, and I'm going to ask you after the game on Thursday. Trade deadline in a little under two weeks on October 31st. A lot of teams looking to sell some pieces. The Vikings have been named as one. The Colts potentially, even though I think they did have a big win today. I'm not sure how that game ended up playing out. The, the, the Broncos also been listed as another team. So... The Bucks look at what they have in this running back room. And I know that this is, you know, the season that we have said, you wait and see with this roster. You want to see what you have. You want to see what you ultimately have in these players. And you want to get the most out of them, even if it's frustrating and it feels like you're wasting time because you don't have a championship window. But let's be honest. I mean, if the Bucks have any semblance of a run game today, I'm not saying that they win. But maybe, just maybe, you know, we get the yard that we need on third and one. Maybe, just maybe, they can convert three yards in the red zone to potentially end up with six instead of settling for three, which is going to be the difference at the end of the game. Do the Bucs look to maybe try and be buyers at the deadline? I don't think the Bucs are ready to start selling guys off yet, but clearly this running back room needs some help. Are they going to try and address this at all at some point? Um. By the way, the Colts uh, did lose. Uh, the Browns beat them at the last second there. But, Heartbreaker. Um, I'm still going to say no, just because, like, I you, like I agree. They're not in a position to sell. Uh, but at the same time, like, I also don't think they're in a position to buy. Like, they need their draft picks, man. They need to get um, a new era in here. I'm not saying blow it up, but, like, they need fresh blood. Like, like they needed it last year. They got it, some of it. Now they need more of it. And I just think Jay, uh, Jason Light values um, his draft picks so much that I just can't imagine uh, he'd be willing to part with them. And the teams that are going to be selling off pieces, they're not going to be looking for players. Like, they're not going to, people are going to be like, oh, trade Ryan Neal to one of them. You know, what, what does a team like the Colts have any use for Ryan Neal? You know, um, a, a team like the Broncos, why would they want a Ryan? Like, they're going to be looking for draft picks. So uh, I think that's what you'd be giving up. And I just, I don't think the Buccaneers are in a position of, one, they don't want to. Um, and two, I just don't think they can. So, like, even if the Bucks go out and lose against Buffalo, um, I, I don't think really, I don't think this, the outcome of that game or even today's game for that matter. Like, I don't think the Bucks, the Bucks would have beaten the Falcons and beaten the Bills. Like, I don't think it would have changed uh, their thought process on this trade deadline. I think they're going to stand pretty pat. I don't think it we got our first call of the show. We appreciate you hanging on. It's been a few minutes from the 626. What's your name? Where are you calling from? What's up, guys? It's Richard T. over here on the West Coast. Hey, What's Richard, up, buddy. Oh, man, guys. This offense is just brutal to watch right now. Look, I get Atlanta has improved. They beefed up in the middle. Um, I am, for one, not expecting the run game to improve at, by this point. Um, but gosh, guys, 13 points. 13 points in this mm -hmm. revamped offense. It's it's just not good enough. And 
and, and I like Dave Canales. I think a lot of it does have to fall on his plate. I, I really feel like he, right now he's not evolving as an offensive coordinator. He's talking the talk, but he's not walking the walk. You know, they said in the beginning of the season that, you know, if they want to um, – they if they see run defense, they're going to pass. If they see pass defense, they're going to run. And, and, and they're losing to that idea because when they see run defense and they're going to pass, they converge on the pass. And then vice versa, when they see a pass defense, they're going to run. And then and the defenses converge on the run. So there needs to be a little bit more creativity um, because it's just, it's, it's just not working well. And all these offensive line penalties, all these pre-snap penalties that we're seeing, that's coaching, guys. That's mm-hmm. coaching. Um, yeah. I mean, do you, do you guys feel the same way? Or am I the only one? Am I am I on crack? That no, like, <laughs> you're that you're definitely not the only one. Isn't, isn't evolving. No, no, you're definitely not the only one. Um, you, you're not you're not the only one. And I I like that you said, um, he's talking the talk, right? But he's not walking the walk per se, and um. Sort of what I said in the offseason, you know, everybody you know singing his praises and expecting this, you know, fantastic offense. And I was like, okay, like I, I do think it'll be improved, but at the same time, like, you know, you can say all you want. Like you can you can say anything you want. What matters is the actual you know, the results that are on the field and uh the results so far, I wouldn't say all bad. I I would say at this point probably a mixed bag. Um, I think, you know, if you were asking a Bucks fan two weeks ago when they were sitting at the bye week, they'd say, oh, good, you know, like it, it's been good. Uh, now I do think it's turned to mixed and it can turn to bad pretty quickly if they don't write this ship, though. So um, I, I do think, like I said, he's trying to fit that square peg into a round hole with the run game. It's not going to work. I don't know why you're forcing it. And, uh, you know, just have to hope that, like I said, you have to hope you're efficient enough on third down and avoid the turnovers, which the Bucks, you know, had two turnovers a day. It hurt them. Um, especially one down the red zone. So uh can't happen. And you just got to hope that like these guys to start playing better, but also like, yeah, the offensive play calling needs to put them in better positions. Uh, Canales needs to be uh, better for sure. Yeah. Canales has been so good at talking the talk. It's the main reason why I am not more upset with him now, because let's be honest, if this was, you know, if this was year two or three in his system and we're seeing the same mistakes and we're seeing, the same lack of adjustments week in and week out, you know, we'd be having the same conversation now that we were about Byron Leftwich this time last year. But I do Uh think some of the things we are seeing are just due to him being a first-year play caller. And again, it's obviously got to get better. I'm not saying it is acceptable, but I do think that the, uh, the, 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 the line of patience, the, the slack that we cut him this week um, the context of him being a first-year play caller is obviously going to be important, but adjustments are going to have to be made because if this thing keeps getting worse, people are going to be ready to run him out of town. And I, I have one more week. You know, Thursday night on a short week, if we come Not away easy. from that, if we come away from that game and we're asking ourselves yet again, man, what kind of game plan was that? What were they trying to do? Or we look at what they put on film and it was ultimately predictable in a lot of situations. You know. Take away the execution errors. Take away the discipline errors. Look at what he is bringing to the game plan week in and week out. And if it's working to a degree, and the only thing holding it back is execution errors, and that's one thing. But, you know, these last couple of weeks, this play calling definitely has been missing some of that magic that it is needed, like they have shown in some of the wins. You know, that creativity that they had against the Saints 
feels like we have been chasing that kind of momentum on the offensive side of the ball ever since that game happened. So it'll be interesting to see if he bounces yeah. back, especially on a short week with a lot of pressure and a Bills team with a lot of pressure to go out there and win. Richard, your final thoughts before we let you go, my friend. Yeah, hey, um, okay, so another thing I've been feeling too is that although the defense has been pretty, still pretty good, right, but it hasn't been stellar. Like, I personally feel this Todd Bowles defense, like 2019 was the best defense. Uh, and they were just that, – that defense was, was given that, uh, a shithole, really, with Jameis throwing two picks, you know, per game, putting the defense in, in, in a lot of bad positions and still held up. Had a lot of defensive touchdowns that season. And it hasn't – it hasn't been that. Even our Super Bowl season, I still feel like it took a, it took it still took somewhat of a step back. Um, I'm now at the point where I feel like offenses are not even afraid of the defense anymore, because you have a game uh, uh, this quarterback, you know, uh, Ritter. He's been proven he's not really been good, but he looked pretty good today, considering like even though he he had three fumbles, um, costly fumbles, which and our team still couldn't even capitalize on. It, he's a running quarterback, right, who could throw down the field or has a strong arm, may not be that accurate. How come Todd Bowles isn't, like, taking a page out of the Monty Kiffin book of, like, quarterback spying and things like that? What, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Richard, we appreciate the question. We'll get to that here in a second, and we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Go box. Thank you for your call. So... It's talking about, I guess, the lack of aggressiveness or at least the lack of awareness with these quarterbacks that can burn you with their legs like Desmond Ritter did in a couple of critical situations there. To answer our buddy Richard's question, Evan, uh, your thoughts on the defense today and, and overall so far into this year? I mean, you forced three turnovers. Uh, some of them were basically, you know, Falcons' fault. Um I mean, pressure wasn't really much there a little bit. And then, you know, obviously you give up, you know, the Bucks tie it and you give up a big catch to Kyle Pitts and then they, they kick the field goal. Um, uh, man, uh, it's, it's a mixed bag for the defense and just disappointing though, because the defense has played um, at times this season's played at a very high level. And the defense was one of the things that while they weren't great last week, they kept them in the game last week and gave them a chance to win. The offense just was, you know, dreadful. And now the offense, you know, gives uh, the offense was bad, right? The offense was bad today. No question about it, but um, you know, they, they tie the game up and they give the defense a chance to send this one to overtime. Now I do know that, some people in the chat have even mentioned that um, late down there that the Bucks passed and three times and it was three incompletions that stopped the clock. Atlanta had all three timeouts and that the Bucks could have ran the ball there. And I agree for sure. At, le at least one time they probably could have ran it. But uh, yeah, you know, the offense gave the defense a chance to send it to the OT and the defense felt it came up short. And uh, yeah, Desmond Ritter has struggled this season at times. He's been good, but he struggled at times. 
Uh, he's now two and zero against the Bucks in his career uh, as a starter. So uh, he won the Week Seventeen game or Week Eighteen game last year, which I understand. You know the Bucks pulled their starters or whatever at halftime, but uh, still two and zero uh, and. Uh, Bijan Robinson. I mean, he wasn't feeling well, so he barely got any touches. I mean, he got one touch, I believe, uh, seven, eight plays, seven, eight snaps, and you know the Falcons still were able to do whatever they wanted. And it just seems like Tyler Tyler Algier was able to find running lanes. They had over a hundred rushing yards. So uh, defense again, just despite the turnovers, three turnovers. Um, yeah, they they yeah, they weren't good enough, and and the three turnovers were all down uh, in in Buccaneer territory. So uh, that means the Falcons were getting down there; they just weren't being able to punch the ball in because uh, they were turning the ball over. So uh, the Bucks defense definitely, I think, needs to bounce back because while the score, you know, you'll look at sixteen points and you'll look at three turn turnovers, you'll look at that box score. Uh, the defense just wasn't quite good enough today. Over 140 yards on the ground today for Atlanta, and Bijan Robinson only had one carry for three yards. So again, stressing the importance of just buckling down in, in key moments and not allowing, you know, this backup running back group to run all over you the way that Atlanta did this year and also last year because Tyler yeah. Algier has a way of making it happen against Tampa Bay. But I will say, it is going to be pretty hard for me to come onto this podcast and crap all over the Bucks defense today. Because for another week in a row, in my opinion, even though there were some things lacking, I, I do think they did more than enough to to put yeah, the Bucs I mean, in a position. They, they, forced, they forced three turnovers. They forced three <laughs> then turn- the offense they, scored zero points off those turnovers. They forced three turnovers, and you know there were so many situations in this game where, like we said, you're scratching your head at not just the offensive penalties from this offense, but the lack of execution, the lack of anything at all when they truly needed it. You know, let's talk about Antoine Winfield Jr. for a minute while we highlight some of the good things that happened today for the Bucks. This guy is going to be the highest paid safety in the NFL once he finally gets his deal. I don't think there's any way you don't. Uh, two forced fumbles at the goal line today, one of them paying dividends and ultimately came up huge as it was a mental mistake from Desmond Ritter, cost him the ball, it's a touchback, Bucks get the ball back. So, again, I think we can talk about the lack of pass rush. I think we can talk about the lack of pressure on Desmond Ritter and obviously the lack of, of run defense because the Falcons just ran away with it. And ultimately, in the second half of that game is where they took control. That's what they wanted to do. But still, I just come away feeling empty-handed from this offense like that that's how I feel more than anything I'm more upset with the offense and the fact that they couldn't do a damn thing than I am with the defense and and again you are counting on those critical plays especially at the end of the game like you you cannot give up a 40 plus yard completion to a tight end of all players that can't happen and with a defense as good as we have talked about all year when your team trusts you to go win the game you got to go out there and win the game or at least take it to overtime You have to shut them down. You cannot allow them to just convert as easily as they did. And unfortunately, whenever an opposing offense has entered crutch time against the Bucs this year, they seemingly get all the conversions they need to. But again, I I, I still cannot sit here and say, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the defense lost the game today because they just didn't. They, they, They didn't. I know that at the end of the game, we can say that they did, but I just don't think it's fair to say that. I don't. I no, I, 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 I don't think they they lost the game. That that being said, like they could be a little bit better. Um, I know it's nitpicking, but at the same time, those three turnovers, like I said, Atlanta was down there, so like Atlanta was moving the ball. Um, 
you know, basically, yeah, the Ritter, I mean, just a heads up play by Antoine Winfield. Uh, yeah, fantastic again today. Um, and you got to believe, you know, like you said, I think, you know, when he signs that deal, has a pretty good shot of being the highest paid safety, you know, until the, the next stud comes along and tops it. Like, you know, the next contract will always be the one that tops it, right? It's always going to top it. So I do think, you know, that if the timing's right, that I, I think he could become um, the NFL's highest paid safety. But, uh, you know, the, the defense to me, again, like you said, they they weren't the reason they lost. They were not the reason. And there's not there's not one reason. There's not one singular reason why they lost. Um, there, there's there's multiple. You don't just very rarely in the NFL do you come away from a game and say, yep, there is one reason they lost and it is this. No, there's a bunch of reasons. So at the same time, though, I mean, the Falcons, <laughs> they're starting on their own 25. Like they had, what, three timeouts, but they had under a minute. You can't let them get in field goal range. You just you, you can't let them get in field goal range there with under a minute. Send this game to overtime. If the Bucks receive the ball, maybe the Falcons don't even touch the ball again. You just in that scenario, you can't let the Falcons get in the field goal range there. Um, but again, like I said, they were moving the ball fine all day on, on the Bucks defense, and uh, I thought the Bucks defense was okay. Uh, not their best, not their worst. Like three turnovers, and the offense couldn't score. Like. The end of the day, the offense scored 13 points. Offense had a chance to take the lead or tie it earlier, and they threw a pick. So, um, and then even like the offense went for it on fourth down to start the game. The Bucks defense was backed up at the 50 yard line, you know. Um, and then obviously the Bucks, Devin Tompkins has the fumble that the Falcons immediately, you know, have into Falcons territory or Bucks territory. Uh, so I don't think the defense is solely to blame. I do think they should share part of the blame because, again, uh, I don't remember how many seconds, and I'm actually going to be looking this up right now. I don't remember how many seconds were on the clock when Atlanta got the ball back. Uh, but let's see here, uh, 40 looks like there were there's 45 seconds uh 45 i know understand that i understand they got three timeouts but for 45 seconds you're on you're starting on your own uh 25 uh that can't that can't result in a in a game winning field goal to me uh not against an offense that's not great like that's patrick mahomes that's one thing you know if it's joe burrow or even josh allen um that's one thing but the Desmond Ritter and the Falcons, you can't let that up. So uh, to me, I, I don't, I'm not going to blame uh, the defense solely, right? I'm, I'm not because it's not their, it's honestly, not even partially their fault, but I, I have a hard time letting them off the hook for this specifically because of how the game ended. Well, in talking about some of the big plays on the day against this Buccaneers defense, it wouldn't be a reunion in Raymond James Stadium unless we saw Scotty Miller with the biggest offensive play of the year for the Atlanta Falcons as well. Uh, so he came up and made a big play. But the total stats on the day, 400 total yards of offense for the Atlanta Falcons, 244 of those through the air, 156 rushing yards against this Buccaneers defense. And we talked about the importance of third down for both of these teams headed into this game with Will McFadden earlier this week on the game preview Atlanta today on third down, their offense was 8 for 14. The Buccaneers, while they did get better, they were not the better team on third down. They were only 6 for 12 as far as third down efficiency goes. So the Falcons win the battle on third down as well. Just more of those critical conversions paying dividend. And believe it or not, the time of possession, Tampa Bay was on top. But you're not going to guess what the split was. Uh, 30 minutes and one second for the Bucs. 29 minutes and 59 seconds for Atlanta. So literally 
as close to even as it can possibly get. <laughs> the it Bucks held the ball for two more seconds. Yeah, it, it certainly felt like Atlanta held the ball for the majority of the game today, but the Bucks actually come out on top with time of possession. But that just goes to show how critical those third down conversions were in the end of this one. No, for sure. Um, and we talked about third downs last week, you know, against Detroit. Third downs uh, were a big reason why the Bucs struggled to to win that game. Um, you know, why, why they, they they lost against Detroit, allowing the third and longs and not getting uh, the third down conversions when they needed it. And then the Bucks offense uh, was and the Bucks defense was was better today in both areas on third down, I think. But um, again, not good enough, just simply not good enough. And obviously the Bucks had a shot to take the lead there with a minute left and threw an incomplete pass on third down. So well, actually Baker got sacked on third down, which I didn't have too big of an issue with him taking the sack. I mean, if Chase McLaughlin missed this as a field goal, I think you're having a different conversation because you're, you know, you pushed him back eight, nine yards. But um, I, I was fine with it. You don't want a stupid mistake there. He just had to turn over the previous drive. I wasn't too mad at that, but, uh, you know, it, it's uh, again, and, and some people are saying, oh, the defense was gassed. Look, okay, the defense was gassed. Uh, they had the whole two minute warning, like, and the offense had the ball. Like, uh, at, the, at some point, like 45 seconds, if you're a good defense, that game goes in overtime. Like, you don't let that game go in overtime. So, I mean, or you let that game. Going overtime doesn't end with Young Way Koo kicking as time expires. It can't. Not with 45 seconds. I don't care if there's three timeouts. Um, Ryan Neal just continues to be oh, a God. brutal player for the Bucks. Oh, um, and I mean, like that that wasn't all. It's not like he was covering Kyle Pitts one on one. It was more like a, like a zone. But Neal just took a terrible angle where like, he could have tackled him immediately, and it would have been a big gain. But Kyle Pitts wouldn't. They wouldn't have been in field goal range right away. Could've they would have needed hit. a little bit more. I, I mean. I don't want to sit here and say could have been, should have been, would have been, but could have been a big hit. You know, it's one of those things where if you come down at just the right time, if Kyle Pitts isn't ready, he could fumble the football, ends up being a huge takeaway in the final minute of the game. It's neither here nor there because, again, it it didn't happen. You know, Kyle Pitts made the play. Ryan Neal took a bad angle, gave up another 15 yards on the reception uh, before ultimately bringing the play to an end, but... Yeah, he has just been god-awful. I, I thought maybe he would get a break this week, but it does not seem to be the case. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, guess, I mean, I thought Levante David was great today. Um, Anthony Winfield, obviously really good. Um, but, you know, again, pass rush didn't really show up much. They had the one sack at the end of the half, which resulted in the fumble, which was big. Obviously, to get, you know, called Atlanta, no points there. He just scored tied at half. But... Again, pass rush not really showing you what you need. I thought Shaq Barrett had a much better day today, which you know, we talked about that. Uh, I talked about it on Mr. Bucks Nation video. We talked about that on the preview pod. Um, so I thought Shaq Barrett had a better day. Uh, at the same time, though, this pass rush just isn't uh, it isn't doing enough. Um, some <laughs> Richard asked, is Ryan Neal on the floor level of Chris Conti? I wouldn't say that uh, because here, here's the thing. I, I think part of that is coaching as well. Um I, I mentioned that tweet that I believe Josh Capo put out last week about how many snaps Ryan Neal played in the box versus how many played in coverage last year in Seattle. And then this year versus t- with Tampa, it's flipped. So, like, I don't think the coding stats put him in the best spot possible uh, to be successful, which kind of sucks. But at the same time, dude, like, you're out there, go make a play. Like, at, at you know, you're out there for a reason. Like, all right, you know, the, you can only blame coaching. Oh, I'm not being put in the right positions. And, like, he's not saying that, but, like, 
you know, that's what I'm seeing. But at the same time, like you're out there, make the play. So, and he just, you know, he hasn't been able to do it. So I, I don't know if, you know, they only signed to a one-year deal. Like you said, it, I think last week it was a, it was one of the more exciting free agent additions that they had because they didn't have many. Um, so it'd be disappointing to see him bench, but like he signed a one-year deal for not a lot of money. So the Bucks don't really have any connection to him, right? They don't really have any ties to him. It's not a multi-year deal. There isn't any you know, guaranteed money or anything like that to where like if they can bench him, like they can easily bench him. And I think if he continues to struggle, they might, like you might have to consider that because D Delaney and coverage might be a little bit of a better fit for what they're asking their safeties to do here. I mean, um, you know, uh, no, I don't know. They're you know, running out of answers. I'm not in that coach's room. You know, I'm not in that film room, but um, just wish they would deploy him a little bit different than they have. Yeah, I think in in terms of free agent recruits for the Bucks, Ryan Neal, obviously, in the hot seat. And I think Matt Filer in that same conversation as well. Matt, Matt Filer, there, you're you're seeing a reason, and this is why like we were like, oh, he's like a solid veteran, you know, no. like when they signed him. Like, okay, a solid veteran. And I even said, it wasn't just me, but like I even said, like, there's a reason this dude was available for the veteran minimum and nobody wanted him. Like, I don't, he's not good. Like, he's, he's not very good. He used to be pretty good, but like, he's not very good anymore. So like, they need, they need a left guard, like for the future. Like, it's not going to happen this season, obviously, but like, they need a long term answer left guard. Yeah. I, I think the interior offensive line, uh, there's going to be a lot of attention headed to that position group after this season, I believe. I don't think Hainsey's going to be your starting center next year if everything goes according to plan because you know just another week in a row where he looks like a guy who should be playing guard he doesn't look natural playing center and going back to the conversation about the run game you don't get any push at all from the interior of that offensive line you're just not seeing it you don't see it from Hainsey you don't see it from Malk most of the time and you definitely do not see it from Filer because he's out there getting his ass beat every other play so there is well, one also, point. real ahead. quick. Gedek, yeah, I thought Gedeke was pretty bad today too. Uh, yeah. Not a great Lou Gedeke day. Uh, after you know, we've been singing his praises now, and uh, not not the best Lou Gedeke day. So just wanted to point that out. And um, really quick, Lawrence asked, so who can you put in Nick Leverett or Stanley? I would imagine Nick Leverett. Um, if you're talking about replacing Filer, uh, if you're talking about replacing Hainsey, that gets a little more complicated because Nick Leverett, I think, played a little bit at center in the preseason. It did not go very well. So I think Hainsey, unless there's an injury, I think Hainsey's there to stay at center. Um, but as far as you know, Filer and guard goes, it wouldn't shock me if at some point this season you give Nick Leverett a look. But at the same time, there's a reason he hasn't been able to hold that position. You know, Luke Genicky struggled last year, was injured and then benched. Nick Leverett came in and the Bucks still went out and signed Matt Filer in the offseason and are starting him instead of Nick Leverett. So there must be a reason for that. So I just, I don't know. I don't know if there is a, a solid answer um, on the offensive line in that interior, but um, you know, and I see a lot of people talking about the, the Baker thing. We'll end the show with that. Uh, we'll, so we, we're not quite there yet, but we will end the show uh, talking about what most people want us to talk about. I promise. <laughs> Before we get to that, I did have one guy I wanted to highlight. If there's one more player that I talk good about on this Bucks defense today, it's not going to be Antoine Winfield Jr. It's not going to be Levante David. It's going to be the rookie, Kalijah Kansi. I think he was robbed of the co-sack at the end of that first half, coming up big with Shaq Barrett there and able to make the play. But his presence is palpable. You notice when he is out there. I know that for a couple of weeks in a row, we have talked about 
this pass rush leaving us feeling underwhelmed. But I mm-hmm. do think eventually it's going to start to come together a little bit more. The more that we see Kalijah Kansi on the field, the guy is going to be a problem. He he looks like a menace. He's winning a considerable amount of reps. I, I like a lot of what I have seen uh, from the young number 94 so far. Yeah, no, for sure. You can see you can see the explosiveness and, and you can see the potential and, and the ceiling that he has. Um, it's just all about staying healthy and putting it together. You know, it's going to take time. It is going to take time. It's only really a second start. So, um, but it's important that you see it, right? Like, it's not like you're looking at him and you're like, man, like, don't really see any juice, you know, like don't, don't see any pop. Don't see any nothing. Like don't see any get off, you know, um, his first step and this and that he's not getting off blocks quick enough or, uh, you see all those things and, and you can recognize them. And I think that's important right now. So, um, while he may not be getting the stats, I think when, what shows up on the film is a bit more important right now for a guy like Elijah Canty, especially when he misses the entire preseason and he misses the entire, entire training camp, like that's valuable reps and time that he just hasn't got. And so he's sort of playing catch up to all of that. And um, I, I do think that he has been pretty good for the Bucks, And it, it is a, a positive sign for the future because he's he's a big piece of their defensive future. Like he really is. Vita Vey is not going to be here forever. Like, you know, uh, obviously he's going to be here for a little bit longer, but he's not going to be here 10 years from now like Kalajikansi might. So like it's a big deal for that defensive line and uh, for the, like I said, for the future and the present because they need him right now to be able to make plays. But, and he has that, he has done that. And you just hope that he can keep it going consistently here. Anytime the Bucks lose, it, it it's going to be a million dollar question. And anytime the Bucks lose partially because of the quarterback play, it's going to be even more of a hot button question. But the Bucks headed into a short week, Thursday Night Football, coming up on the road against a floundering Buffalo Bills team. Yeah. I have to assume Baker Mayfield is going to be their starter headed into that game. You have to assume that Baker Mayfield is going to be their starter headed into that game. But if Thursday Night Football comes around... Yeah, I, I, I can shut that down right now. They're not switching quarterbacks on a short week. Yeah, they're definitely not, <laughs> they're not definitely not going to switch quarterbacks in a short week. I was saying that without really saying it. So both of us yeah. assuming that Baker is going to be your starter which he more than likely will. But if Baker Mayfield goes out there and, and and he plays another game like he did today, and that's important. I think the context of the game that he played today is important. Uh, let's say it's a late game chance for the Bucs to try and win and he throws a late game interception. Is he going to be your starting quarterback when the Bucs come back from their break? Um, yes, yes, yes. Figured we'd have this conversation at some point this season, right? Um. I would say probably, yeah, still, uh, but the heat would be on and it would be basically, you know, so after this Buffalo game coming up, they have Houston uh, in Houston and, and Houston played some good ball. Uh, CJ Stroud has looked like easily the best rookie quarterback. Um, looks like a legit dude. Houston's defense. They got Will Anderson flying around there. D'Amico Ryans just has them guys pumped up. And basically I think it would come down to that now. Um, they're losing to Buffalo and the offense sputtering again. Be three straight losses, three straight where the offense is really, really struggling. Yes, it's not good. At the same time, they would only be three and four. Um, it wouldn't be like they're two and five or one and six. Because here's the thing to me, and this is just you know my sort of thought process, and I'm sure. If there are Gator fans in here listening, which I'm sure there are, um, they'll probably disagree with me. But to me, 
you know, when when you decide to put Contrask in, right, when you decide to make him your starter, one, there's no going back. There is no going back to Baker Mayfield because that doesn't do anybody any good, right? It's not, oh, Kyle Trask is going to be our starter, and then he plays like crap for two weeks, and you're like, oh, no, 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 we got to put Baker back in. No, once you make that move, um, it's got to stay that way. And two, to me, putting Trask in would signal – that you're giving up on the season that like this season's pretty much a wash you're moving on right um because to me like you're benching the guy who beat the guy in training camp like you're putting that guy in who got beat out by the guy that you're benching so to me what does that show you know what how much faith does that show um in Kyle Trask and or is it you know more of a to me, it'd be more of an indictment on Mayfield and not like, oh, let's give Trask a shot. So uh, I, I don't think we're there yet. I think um, I, I do think that you're you're getting there. Uh, you're starting to uh, see some cracks in the foundation. You're starting to maybe feel a little bit of heat, right? Maybe that fire starting to just creep up a little bit, may turn on just a little bit. Um for Baker Mayfield, but I do think, you know, if if they lose against Buffalo, which Buffalo lost today, Buffalo's lost two out of the last three and really could be and should be maybe three straight, honestly. Um, yeah, they, almost they lost barely to made Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor and the Giants at home, like yeah. in Buffalo, like you can't, yeah. like that can't come down to that play. And really, like the refs bailed the Bills out. So the Bills have not played good football. So I think you go out there and the offense struggles again. You lose that game. I think it comes down to that Houston game. And if they if they fail in that Houston game and lose that one, go to three and five, and the offense struggles again, that's four straight losses. That's four straight games where the offense has struggled. To me, then you have to make a switch. Um, so and I think the Bucks would at that point. So I, I don't think it's there yet, but I do think we're finally for the first time all season. Uh and I and I saw there were some people last week that were calling for it, and we weren't. You know, we we weren't there. Uh, we were like, you know, it's not really to that point yet. But if they lose against Atlanta, you know, uh, for the first time all season, I, I think there is legit heat um, on Baker Mayfield's status as the Bucks starting quarterback. Uh, I, I do think um, it is possible. Uh, maybe not likely. It's not going to happen right now. But uh, it is starting to starting to get to that point, and we'll see what happens. One more call to wrap up this week's post game show. You are on the Cane of Fire podcast. Thanks for holding. Where are you calling from? What's your name? Hey, Corey from Nashville. Corey, what's, what's up, up Corey? Man? Hey, guys. Um, before the season started, like, I think it was a week before Baker was named the starter, I've tweeted that the things that scare me about this, like, I really like this team. I love what we did in the draft. I love what we did um, at the time in free agency, even with, like, Ryan Neal at the time, just because of where he was ranked with PFF which is just a load of garbage because he's, he's like the worst safety in the league. I don't know how he was the best last year. If he's just is a medium safety, we'll be fine on the back end. But anyway, I digress. Um, and I said the head coach and the quarterback are the only things that concern me about this team. And I think it just has reared its ugly head the last two weeks. Um, today, more specifically coaching, yeah, Baker threw that interception – uh, late in that game, it was a terrible decision. But, I mean, let's be honest. If we're asking Baker to throw the ball 44 times, he's going to make at least one to two bad decisions. That's actually any quarterback. It's just, it's just going to happen. Like, you're not going to make 44 great decisions throwing the football. I don't care who you are. 
Sometimes you might get a little greedy or you might see something that you thought you saw. And, it ha- and if that happens on one rep, unfortunately, it was a bad rep. And, I mean, he threw the ball 40-plus times today. And ironically enough, we get to the red zone late in the game. We didn't get there by passing the ball. We got there because he had a 31-yard scramble. And we had a penalty. You know what I mean? So why would we come out and throw the ball three straight times? That's what I mean by the ineptitude at coaching. I play Madden. I play Madden competitively, like competitively. And I'm really good. And you know why I'm really good? Because I'm a really good coach. I know when to call my timeouts. I know how to use them. I know when to go for it on fourth down. I know if I got an opportunity, let me see, I'm on the eight-yard line. I need eight yards for pay dirt. But they got three timeouts, and it's over a minute and a half left. I'm going to run the ball the first two plays. And then on third down, I'm going to pass the ball. However, if I don't have a clear-cut completion that's going to make them use the other timeout, what I'm going to do is not get it incomplete, and I'm not going to throw it away. I'll take a cover sack or I'll fall down. Now they're out of timeouts. We kick the field goals like 20 seconds left in the game, 30 seconds left with no timeouts. Now we tackle OT. You at home, let's go get the win. I, I, I don't understand why our offense looks like it has to be controlled by rocket science. Well, Corey, uh, but anyway, I, I want you guys to respond on some of the things that I'm saying. No, you're good, Corey. I appreciate you calling in, my friend. I do have one honest question for you if you are still there. When you look at this offense and, and you bring up you know, three straight pass attempts at the end of the game that they get absolutely nothing out of. I agree that it is not a great situation, but what kind of faith has this run game given you that if you were to put them in a situation to pick up even just one yard, one on the third and one that we needed earlier in the game, what kind of faith have they given you that they can even convert on a third and one, let alone a game winning drive where you've got, you know, less than four minutes left to go. I'm going to be frank because of the time, and the, the power that the other team had to control, I, like I said, I am going to call the runs. I'm not. Call, I'm calling the runs to play the to play the clock, right? If we score, great. We need eight yards. Maybe they even let us fall in the end zone. They let us score, so we don't use their timeouts. You just never know in a scenario. But I get what you're saying because we did have some um, holding calls on first down runs. We had some pre-snap penalties on first down runs. So I, I, from that perspective, I respect what you're saying, of course. But at the end of the day, you have to play football. I'm a Miami Hurricane fan. Kneel the, kneel the damn ball. <laughs> play, just play, just be, just play football. Just control like, the ball. You don't have to be. It's, yeah. Just, you don't have to be spectacular every single thing. Like Devin Thompson fumbled. Why? Just we lost that rep. We lost that. When we're playing against other professionals. We lost that rep. Cool. But I got before I go. I got to get shout out to Antoine Winfield Jr. and Levante David. Clearly, the only two not not counting Vita because he's having a great year. Collage's making splash plays, but I just got to talk about them two exclusively because they are they seem to be the only competent players on our defense. Yeah, like and it's not even close. Um, Devin White, no, nah, we're six games in, bro. I don't see it, no sir. Unless you're going to take a major discount to come back so we can keep Levante. Bye. Bye. I'm ready to see Savarcia Dennis get some of his snaps. I just think he's a more fluid athlete at this point. Devin White is so stiff, and he he says he runs a 4-4, but I I never see it. I haven't seen it since the Saints playoff game. I just haven't seen his athleticism since the Saints playoff game. I haven't seen it. And it's it's very – Distressing, but I, 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 I'm sorry. I know, I know you guys are ready to go. Thanks for taking my call. No, you're good, Corey. Well, we, appreciate we appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate you calling in. As always, the hot takes as ever from our boy Corey to wrap up the show. And, and I will say, highlighting Devin White had that crucial mistake in coverage uh, against yes. Tyler Allgear 
and, and that you know cost the Bucks 35, 40 plus yards. I think it was forty six total yards. It was forty seven. What are you doing? Yeah, like what, what are you like? Well, let it, it, even if, if even think... if Ansel Winfield can't chase down Ritter, let Ritter get the first down and get ten yards rather than give up forty seven. Like yeah. just you were with him the whole way. Why do you have to bite like that? Like that was a game changer. I think he expected someone else to make that play for him. I think he expected someone to be there behind him to make that play, and and they just weren't. And obviously, when you blow your position in his own coverage, you can see some fatal mistakes like that occur. But thank you again to Corey and Richard for calling in. Ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's game, post-game show, I I guess. Uh, Game review edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. Uh, A frustrating game. From, from top to bottom, I mean, the first half, it was exciting. I, I got to say, it, it kept me on the edge of my seat for a little while. Seemed like it was going to be productive uh, for both offenses, but just a plethora of mistakes and some flag-happy referees lead to what we saw today. A, a sloppy performance, a pathetic performance, and I think, you know, overall, I know the Bucks have been dominated in other games, but I think considering how good the Falcons are, the team that the Bucks played today, probably their worst performance of the season, I, I think personally. Well, and also you gotta think this this game was just massive. Like yeah. we talked about it. Like this was a must win game. Like they had to have this game, man. And they just came up short. They just they just didn't do it. So yeah, really disappointing. Um next time we talk to you guys will actually be the game preview for the Bills. It's gonna come up quick, but that's what happens when you play on Thursday. So um it will be the game preview um uh, probably on Tuesday for, for the Bills game. But uh yeah, just have to keep an eye on the injury reports. Hopefully I mean it does seem like most people are healthy. Kayvon Merriweather, I think, exited the game. Matt Filer got a little banged up, but I think for the most part everybody's healthy. So we'll have to wait and see. You know, like we talked about, the Bills are struggling a little bit and now you're you're in a spot where now you're in another must-win game, and this one's probably going to be tougher than the one you just played. So, uh, because yeah, Baker you know, Mayfield, you know, this is like you mentioned earlier. You throw that pick again, you put throw a pick against the Bills, you're probably not getting that football back. So, um, the Bills are while the Bills have struggled, they're a better football team than the Atlanta Falcons, and it's a road game on a short week, not a recipe for success. So, hopefully, the Buccaneers can bounce back, but. We'll have to wait and see, and uh, if they don't, it'll be a long 10 days before they play again. I think there's going to be a lot of discussion um, until they play again, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, a short week for the Bucs, and then another mini bye week, if you will, with that 10-day break before they end up playing again. We'll keep an eye on the injury report and keep you guys updated throughout the week on who is healthy and who is not as the Bucks get ready for a short week on primetime. Make sure you follow our show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all of those are Cannon Fire podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What have you got this week? Yeah, this is going to be a busy one um, because I was, like I said, with a short week. So I think I'm going to have the uh, uh, post-game reactions tomorrow. Probably have the X Factor or Q and A done Tuesday or Wednesday, so I got three things coming out before Thursday. So gonna be gonna be a busy uh, busy week for me here. Absolutely. Last but not least, you can find myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus R H E T T 
AKUS. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Subscribe to our channel here on YouTube for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. Be on the lookout for some more guest spots popping up as we try and get uh, some more of our friends from the other NFC South teams and any other team around the NFL that the Bucks play this year involved on the show and uh, should have some good stuff for you guys coming up there. We will talk to you later on this week for the game preview edition of the Cannon Fire podcast as the Bucks get ready to play the Bills Thursday night to kick off week eight of the 2023 NFL season. We approach the halfway point and uh, things are getting exciting. Even though it was a tough loss, there's still plenty of football left on the season and the Bucks going to be looking to bounce back. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you again for hanging out with us live and to everybody who called in. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.